0: Hey everybody, welcome to Wilco the Podcast. So before we get started today, Lance and I had recorded a formal episode last week, which you'll you'll hear in a moment. Uh, But before we get into that, we need to uh, reflect on an experience we had this weekend, and that was seeing Wilco at the Riviera in Chicago. On Saturday, I get a phone call from Lance, and we, we had talked about the The possibility of getting him out here from Denver, to make this happen, and kind of decided that it wasn't in the cards. And then on Saturday, I get a call from Lance, and he's he says, "Hey, I think uh, I think we can make this happen."
1: <laughs> yeah, and the uh, pressure
0: the pressure was
1: building. You know, the set lists from the previous nights were starting to come out.
0: Yeah, so of course the the show the Sunday show was sold out. So we hopped on StubHub, found some, some seats in the nosebleeds, and we didn't realize at the time it was literally the last row in the theater. <laughs> but uh, Literally the r- back of the back. Row X. Um, but there's not really a bad seat in the house at the Riviera. Uh, so, yeah, long story short, Lance Books of Plane ticket, hops on a Southwest flight, good old Southwest, and he was uh, in Chicagoland by eight o'clock Saturday night, and then Sunday night we were at the show, and then Monday bright and early he was back on a plane to Denver. So, Whew. whirlwind weekend. Uh, super glad we could make that work. We we needed to be at that show. So yeah, yeah. That that was a lot of fun, Lance. What were your thoughts on seeing Wilco in Chicago? Mm.
1: Man, I have that has been on my bucket list as a fan of Wilco for many years. It's always been, man, one of these times I've got to see Wilco in Chicago. And, you know, each time they announce shows in Chicago, I I'm, I'm, I always kick the can further down the road. I'm like, ah, you know, I can't do it this time because XYZ. I Y, Z. I don't think it was ever going to happen unless it happened the way that it did here, where it's just pull the trigger the flight is booked. I'll see you. I'll see you in, you know, two hours, essentially. So um, I, I also love that we saw them at the Riviera um, because of them having recorded uh, Kicking Television, the live album in 2005. Right. They recorded it from that venue. Uh, so that that meant much more to me seeing them there than as opposed to. Millennium Park. Um, y- y- we any we other also venue? S- yeah. Yeah, any right. other venue. Also, there was the No Repeats uh, three-night set list. Um,
0: yeah, that's, just- that was cool because we were able to kind of see, all right, we're going to the last show. What haven't they played? What are we hoping to hear? Yes. And I got to say, my wish list was uh, completed. You got to tell us the list. Yeah, well, so... Should we should we rattle off the set list here, just high level view? Sure. All right. So, well, first I'll say on my 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 uh, my wish list was reservations, spiders. At least that's what you said, and impossible Germany, which uh, they played every single one of those songs. In fact, they opened, I'll I'll go through the list. They opened with, at least that's what you said, and went right into Spiders. And then we had The Universe, You Are My Face, Whole Love, Mystery Binds, I'll Fight, Side with the Seeds, One and a Half Stars, Tired of Taking It Out on You, Impossible Germany, Sunken Treasure. Laminated Cat, which Lance had to explain to me. A loose fur cover. Yeah, was unfamiliar with that. Uh, Reservations, Either Way, Hate It Here, Dawned On Me, Jesus, etc. Solid list. And then they come out for the encore with The Late Greats, Heavy Metal Drummer, A Shot in the Arm, and on and on and on. A lot of tracks that we've called out on the podcast. So, you know, I, I... I feel like the guys are listening. What do you think? <laughs> we um, we can dream. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I got to say the highlights, if we want to talk highlights. Let's talk highlights. Let's talk highlights. The, the opener, at least that's what you said, followed by spiders mm. <laughs> was, I mean, to me, probably the best part of the show. Um, I... I don't think even at Solid Sound I had seen, or in my in my memory I don't remember seeing Jeff Tweedy let loose on guitar. And we we've talked about it on this show how that's my favorite Jeff Tweedy moment. In at least uh-huh. that's what you said. And then I don't really it doesn't really come to mind, but in Spiders, man, he was he was going wild and and. It was it was just so fun to watch. Um, I, I know you've said, Lance, that they're they're maybe a better live band even than a studio band. And yeah, for for some reason, the show that really clicked for me. Um, yeah, I was going to bring that up. I I agree. And telling people that,
1: you know, like oh, Wilco's great, but like if you have not seen them live, they I don't think you can fully appreciate why you know fans like me would just gush over them you have to have that you have to really experience that aha moment Um and I think here's the thing I think their studio albums are fantastic I think the recordings are fantastic Um I think the recordings of their live shows are fantastic but that does not compare to the, the electricity from a live Wilco show. And you told me in in the car ride after the show, we were obviously processing it. You said, I think I, I think I get it now. <laughs> and I wanted to just highlight that. Talk to me about what yeah. you meant by that.
0: Well, so solid sound was an amazing experience, but it was a festival Experience, and I think there is something about being in an indoor venue. The Riviera is not that big; it's kind of I liken it to like a, a a small Chicago theater. If folks are familiar with that venue, I think to your point, Lance, the electricity of being in a room with packed with fans, sold out show. There is an energy there that can't even be captured. At, I would even say it's solid sound, and I think to. The, the significance of them performing in their hometown. Uh, there's a, there's a, a deep appreciation for this band in Chicago. Yeah. And I just felt like there was a, a respect in the, in the audience. It, it was just fun to to be in that environment. Yeah. I felt like everybody there like understood the significance
1: that we're not just at a Wilco show. We're at a Wilco show in Chicago. Like that's, that's next level that i I would compare it to like seeing them at solid sound um speaking of which you, those are the venues you've seen them at i mean that's that's like cream of the crop right
0: there as a <laughs> as a woco fan that's pretty cool yeah i I gotta say they're going to Iceland pretty soon that would be an incredible venue yeah. I've been to Iceland once and yeah, I mean, that's super cool. I mean, I'm sure being on the road gets tiring, but can you imagine just your life is playing music for fans
1: and no. traveling
0: the world? I mean, that's so cool.
1: Especially when you get to bring your family along.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, what about you, Lance? What were some highlights from the show? What were yeah. like, your favorite tracks that were played, some favorite moments? yeah.
1: I would just just to go over a couple things you said, and then I will I will shout out my highlights of the night. Uh, I also love seeing them on a smaller stage. Um, I think when I typically see Wilco, you know, they're on they're on some of the biggest stages available, like a, Red Rocks comes to mind. You know, when a band is trying to take up the full stage, there's a lot of distance in between. The band members, like physical distance. Right. And I, I always prefer the smaller venue. Wilco, because they're so big as a band, they can't normally play that type of venue. And so I'd say, I think this show, with the possible exception of when I got to see them record a uh, broadcast for Austin City Limits, I think this was probably the smallest venue I've seen Wilco in, and I think it's one of the top shows I've seen them at. Um, this reminded me a lot of the very first time I ever saw Wilco in Bloomington, Indiana, in two thousand nine. Um, we've we've talked about this show on the on the podcast. I, I was there with my friend Josiah. Very first time seeing Woco, I'm on the very, very back row of the balcony. Here it was again. And it still captivates me that being that far removed from the action, so to speak, it's still so captivating and, and mesmerizing. And they, they still have a way of just filling me with awe. I... I I marvel at them. They still surprise me, even though I I know they're <laughs> they're incredible. I think I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight the same song you did. At least that's what you said as an opener. Uh, I've probably seen that song performed. I don't know, probably four or five times. And I don't know if it's because of the podcast that we're doing here, and and um. The Mermaid Avenue guy's reflections on that song, but it was definitely a highlight for me just seeing Jeff get to get to shred. Like he just he dominates that song. And, you know, most of the time in a Wilco show, those moments are rarer, I would say, from Jeff. Like you're kind of you're kind of more drawn to Nels Klein's electric performance. And and to be able to see Jeff do that in a more, you know, wild unrefined way oh, I I am here for that um, so that was a highlight you know what um, the universe track uh, track three that they played here um, I remember turning to you in that song and you and I had talked about like uh you know cool Cruel Country's great, but like, we're really hoping to hear some older stuff because at our, at our most recent shows, we, we got to see Cruel Country in its entirety. So I, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to hearing a ton from that album, but that song, it, it dawned on me. I think this is one of the best songs that Wilco's ever written. Completely different mood from, at least that's what you said. You know, it's real, um, it's quiet, especially coming off the heels of, of spiders, kids smoke. Um, but yeah, surprisingly that was, that was a moment that stayed with me.
0: Yeah. The, the, the starkness between spiders and the universe, I think back to back really kind of shows the range of this band. Yes. And, yes. uh, I think that, that, that was so fun to me, I think, especially cause we've been digging into these songs and I'm getting more and more familiar with, their catalog, and I think hearing these variations in style and uh, musicality across their discography played live is was was a treat.
1: Yeah, I uh, I've thought about that before. That they very successfully pull off the both the loud and the rock, and they like with the universe, man, they can really pull you back in, and. It's it's quiet, it's intimate, and they're both fantastic in very different ways. I think that's impressive. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, I would say another standout for me was when they played "Reservations," which I was really hoping to hear. We hadn't heard it at Solid Sound, and I was just, you know, in, in our episode about ambience, I was pitching this song as one of my favorites, and. They played it was kind of like a hybrid between the album version and the acoustic version that we played on that episode. It it kind of started with Tweedy solo on the guitar and then kind of the band kind of started filling in the 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 background as 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 it built a little bit. So that that was cool. I don't know if that's um typically how they that's played live, but seeing it for the first time was that that was really fun.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you got to experience that.
0: Yeah. Well, and then the the encore was chock full of energy. All of us uh, nosebleed section folks were standing up and singing along. And closing with on and on and on was the cherry on top. That, that was great.
1: Yes. I wanted to, to look... In fact, I'm doing it right now. I wanted to look up how often that's been played. I guess more often than I expected. I'm looking at their website. Um, but... I don't believe I had ever heard that. And uh that I think it's changed. I, I think Jesus etc. is my favorite Wilco song. It used to be on and on and on though. Um, so I was uh I was elated that, to be able to hear that.
0: Yeah. Hey, I also gotta shout out the openers, Horse Girl, who I was unfamiliar with and started listening to leading up to the show. That's my type of music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's funny, I was I was reading about them. We were talking about Sonic Youth briefly on I think it was the uh, ambient episode. And they actually had a couple members of Sonic Youth play on that album. So it kind of makes sense that I'm I'm into this band. Um, really? I did not know that. Yeah, they had Steve Shelley who is the drummer of Sonic Youth and then Lee Rinaldo who was um a co-founder of Sonic Youth. They they both played on a on a track here. Oh
1: that's awesome.
0: Um yeah. Super cool. It's always a, a bonus when the, the opener's solid. Yeah. And then uh yeah. that was a fun moment when when the band gave them the best behaved audience member <laughs> award. <laughs> and they were so. just
1: right there by the yeah, yeah. in the in the box yeah. close to the stage. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. I loved. Uh, I love seeing Jeff Tweedy stop one and a half stars. Yeah, just really abruptly, and he turns to Glenn and says, "I <laughs> I started this before you were ready, didn't I?" And, and then they have like this little, uh, you know, <laughs> cute it's like I moment. love you, man. I love you. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like this band band member appreciation moment. And and then they're both like staring at each other real intently as they, as they restart the song, you and I were both reflecting like, Oh, uh, it it was not obvious that something had gone wrong there. Um, And for me, I I think that just spoke to the, the excellence and the technicality that's happening that a lot of times I'm not, I'm not a trained musician, um, but I think it's just, it's much more technical than I often realize.
0: Right. And they make it look so easy. They're just, they make it look so easy. Yeah. Yeah. They're just locked in with, with one another. I, I went to a show one time with, with someone
1: and they, their, their takeaway coming away was, uh, um, Wilco. They're so connected. He said, it's like they're in each other's nervous systems. (laughs) And, uh, I think that's a good way of putting it. There's a certain kind of organic improvisation type way of steering the songs. They're they're always just even just a little bit different from from the studio version. Yeah. You never know. You never know what kind of uniqueness you're going to get. I remember during Hated Here Tweedy kind of went into falsetto and you were like, "What? Has he done that before?"
0: <laughs> yeah. That's just cool. Then I remember when they played Heavy Metal Drummer, I think he said, "We haven't Rehearsed this one yet? Do you remember that? And and then no. they, they went into it and it was pristine. Like, yeah, no, no, the
1: difference. Exactly. I don't know if this is a criticism, some maybe it's a complaint. I, I really wanted to hear some Star Wars. I am so glad you got to hear the songs you wanted. The songs that I wanted were that I really was hoping to hear. Or wishful thinking, and Wilco the song. I don't think I've ever heard wishful thinking. I've seen recordings of them playing it live. It's blown my mind. I think it's one of the, the prettiest Wilco songs that I've ever heard. Uh, Wilco the song, you know, I, I I guess a little bit because of the podcast, Wilco the podcast. I wanted to hear it and 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 just have that. Geek out moment over Wilco. We're singing Wilco's praises, uh, but alas, I I didn't get to hear those. But that's okay. Th- this was this was a great set list.
0: I guess we'll just have to go to more Wilco shows. Oh man,
1: I am uh, I'm really grateful we got to hear the classics, Jesus, etc., and Impossible Germany. Um, yes, I know we hear them every show, but. If we had been at the Thursday night or Saturday night show, I would have felt a little sad, I think, walking away without having heard those.
0: Yeah. I mean, I got to say between the three shows, I think uh, we got a pretty darn good uh, set list here. We Um, did. uh, Maybe the best one. Maybe the best one. Well, hey, I'm, I'm so glad we got to do that together and reflect on it here. And uh, I'll see you in Reykjavik in a couple of weeks.
1: Oh, I like it. I
0: like it. Yeah, this was so
1: fun. I think we had to be there. I mean, it was just a Wilco attendance was was due because we were doing a we're doing a podcast about the band. I mean, come on. So uh, the timing of this was just amazing. So thanks for letting me uh, crash your weekend.
0: Wouldn't have changed a thing. It was great. Great having you here, Lance. You're welcome anytime, especially when Wilco's in town. Aye. All right.
1: Well, we just wanted to do a little review. Somebody asked us on, on Twitter if we were going to be hitting up a review and uh, appreciate the, the interest here. That's that's our take on the show. We'd love to hear some of yours. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, email at WilcoThePodcast at gmail.com. But uh, yeah, thanks for letting us break this down. We're going to go ahead and switch over to our regularly scheduled program now with Wilco Podcast. (music)
0: Welcome to another episode of Wilco the Podcast, episode number ten. We're in the double digits now.
1: How's wow. that make you feel?
0: How's that make you feel, Lance? Man, it's just amped. You know, we
1: just uh, about a week ago crossed the threshold for over five hundred downloads, but now we're over eight hundred. Although, by, by the time this airs, it's going to be even higher. So, just super grateful for everybody tuning in.
0: Yeah, it's been really fun to see those numbers creep up, and uh, yeah, it's cool that all of you have found uh, some interest in this. So that means a lot, and we hope, uh, hope the numbers keep growing and more and more people keep tuning in. All right, tonight we are talking about childhood and Wilco's reflections on growing up. As a, as a licensed therapist, Lance, you probably dissect and reflect on childhood with several of your patients every day. Probably a topic you're well-versed in. A good part of my
1: day is spent talking about childhood. That's true. And a lot of times people don't recognize the significance of their childhood. I see a lot of that as well. But you know what? With Jeff Tweedy, um, I think he gets it. I think he gets the significance of childhood.
0: Yeah, I would say um, you know most of what I know about Tweety's early days, I know from Sunken Treasure from reading mm. Tim Tim and Sunken, Sunken Treasure. Uh, it sounds like you know he had a good relationship with his parents growing up, and any like hardships he faced was like um, was internal from his the migraines he had and, and that sort of thing. But something that stood out to me as I was kind of revisiting um, Tweety's uh, childhood as I was preparing for this episode, uh, Grierson cited in a 2004 interview with The Wire, uh, Tweedy talked about recording himself on his dad's karaoke machine that used like eight track tapes. And he would record himself and then transfer it onto a cassette. He would use this machine to make his own recordings, mostly experimental music. And uh, that resonated with me deeply because some of my favorite memories from growing up involved recording songs with my dad. He had a, I believe it was a four-track recorder, and I would write these lyrics and melodies that I thought were super deep. I was probably like eight, nine, or ten. I I don't remember exactly how old I was, but my dad would then take these ideas and put music to them (laughs) and bring them to life. Um, I love that. And it was kind of the beginning of my creative musical endeavors, you know, I it, it kind of stoked that creativity. Um, I, mm. I still have these recordings and they're both hilarious and, and pretty sweet. I think just because of the memories oh. associated with them. I did not know this about you and you're going to have to share these with me. I, that, that's- <laughs> they look, they're not good songs, but that's not the point. The point is, I got to have that time with my dad and it was, um, yeah, I think a core childhood memory.
1: I love that your dad took the time to, uh, like celebrate your creativity, kind of like took it and ran with it. I, that is moving. Yeah. You know, cause it could have just been like, Oh yeah, go have fun, you know, making some sounds, but he was, he kind of honored what your creativity and took it and
0: expanded love that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that was uh influential and I keeping that in mind I've been trying like <laughs> my own my daughter will start like humming things or randomly <laughs> like randomly start uh coming up with lyrics or singing and I have like my my phone is littered with voice memos <laughs> that I want to hold on to and yes. Uh you know, maybe we, we've actually have recorded one song together. <laughs> wow. Uh, I think I've heard the, during it. During the pandemic. Yeah. 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 So it's kind Maybe of Maybe this episode
1: circle. can can fade out with that
0: song. Oh, yeah. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> That's good. Um, some other Tweety childhood stories I came across. I came across an interview with Tweety that he gave on Colbert back in 2018. He was touring his book, Let's Go So We Can Get Back, at the time. Um he kind of discussed his his childhood a little bit with uh, Colbert, and I think I've heard these anecdotes somewhere else. But uh, anyway, Tweedy said that his mom told him he would point at the record player and cry until she put a song on his, and, and when she put put the record on, he'd 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 be happy again. That was kind of before he could speak, but. Like at that early of an age, music was already important to him in that way. I love that. Yeah, and then I thought this was funny too. Um, Tweety said he would record Springsteen songs. This was when he was in like third grade. This is a (laughs) classic story. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it again for anyone not familiar. He would record Bruce Springsteen songs. Uh, off the radio and then he'd he'd play the tape for his friends and tell them it was him <laughs> playing <laughs> playing all the instruments and singing um i think he did it for the whole born to run album yeah uh that's so funny uh i don't I, and it doesn't sound like they they bought the con i think the way he's talked about that is less
1: it was less about really convincing people that he had actually recorded that. I think it was more the way he's talked about it as an adult. I think it's more like he was trying on this persona uh, and just owning it. Like, yeah, that's, I did all that recording. That's me. Um, <laughs> even though you're right. It's, it'd be blatant. Like a child singing with this. Like, wow. You're super talented. Voice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then lastly, after he saw the movie Rocky, he went home and knocked himself out with a doorknob because he thought it'd be cool to have a black eye. Wow. So what about you, Lance? These are these are the core, core childhood memories of Tweety. Do you have any core childhood memories that stood out to you, stand out to you, or that maybe your parents have told you about yourself? Anything that stands out to you in your childhood that you can think of?
1: In the moment right now, I remember me and my siblings got uh, rollerblades and hockey sticks and hockey puck one christmas and we we had so much fun in the neighborhood on the neighborhood street in conway arkansas just rollerblading and and hitting around the hockey puck uh that was one of those classic christmas memories yeah we we spent a lot of time using that those toys so
0: yeah i mean i think it's funny to me when you think about your childhood like a lot of these memories aren't huge moments they're like hmm. this the simple parts like rollerblading with your siblings around the neighborhood yeah like in those everyday moments I think you find some of the most impressionable parts of your childhood
1: yeah that's a that's a great segue for uh my first pick if you'd like me to kick it off please do all right let's do this let's
0: talk Wilco yeah
1: Let's talk Woco. So uh, interestingly enough, I'm not going to talk Woco for my first pick. I'm going to choose a song from the band Tweedy, which is a band consisting of Jeff Tweedy and his son Spencer Tweedy on drums. They have made one album under that name together. It's called Suki Ray. Suki Ray is Susie Tweedy's nickname. And the song I chose is the closing song on the album. It's called I'll Never Know. I remember the room with the TV on. You're
2: sitting asleep before you're gone. We watch thousands cheer.
1: This album, Suki Ray, it came out in 2014. This album came out like a month before I got married. I was spinning it a lot. I I love this album. I think it's I think it's underrated. And I think probably the reason it's underrated is because it's the only album by Tweedy that's come out. I feel like it's kind of been forgotten, but it's deep. You know, they they recorded this album. When Susie Tweedy was going through uh, cancer treatment. Um, And from what I understand, this was, you know, obviously a really stressful time for the family. And Jeff and Spencer making this album, it was a nice outlet for them in such a stressful time. So
0: I did not know that she had a cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And clearly she's kind of pulled through that, so that's excellent.
1: Yep. I, I I think I think things are all better. Uh they haven't mentioned it in a while on really publicly at all. Anyway, back to the song. Uh this this is Jeff describing some shared moments with his mom. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna actually read from some of his memoir, Let's Go So We Can Get Back, where he talks about his childhood. And I think, I think it just sets the stage for this song really well. So Jeff says, I wasn't an only child, but I grew up like one. He, he says he has a sister and brothers who were a bit older than him. And so in a lot of ways, it was just kind of him in his childhood with his mom and dad. Most nights I'd stay close to my mother as she watched TV and smoked cigarettes on the couch it was the best she could do she'd been a mother for so much of her life that by the time i came around she'd kind of given up on parenting well maybe not given up but she wasn't interested in being an authority figure so then he goes on and says she was a night owl she took occasional naps throughout the day like a house cat so she always stayed up late and she'd let me stay up with her and then he describes they'd watch johnny carson turner classic movies She loved Judy Garland. So you'll see some of those movies referenced in the lyrics to this song. But then he starts to describe just this. It sounds like a recurring experience for him and his mom. That sounds both utterly mundane, but also incredibly valuable now that she is is dead. He says, sometimes I drift off. It's hard to stay awake at 3 a.m. when you're a little kid. And sometimes she'd fall asleep with a lit cigarette still dangling in her mouth. I'd watch mesmerize as it slowly burned down to the filter and hold my breath in suspense as an ash the length of an entire cigarette would somehow balance itself against her breathing for whole minutes before plopping onto the lap of her robe. That might sound like really irresponsible and dangerous parenting, I know, but it's a memory that evokes nothing but warm feelings for me. I, I, in in several ways, I can relate with this. One is I'm the youngest of three siblings. Um, my siblings aren't very much older than me, but I remember when they were both off at college. Um, it was just me around, and just like Jeff Tweedy's dad had to go to. a bed early for work. My dad would go to, to bed and, and it might be me and my mom staying up watching TV. Yeah. Um, there's a type of melancholy in recognizing that you're the last one left. And this moment of you all living together under the same roof, it's, it's over, it's come and gone. I think we all have these moments, these more intimate moments from childhood, where they were kind of recurringly happening like like mom falling asleep on the on the couch watching TV yeah and I think I don't know about you but I feel like as a kid you look at these recurring moments as it's always going to be that way they're kind of unremarkable because they just keep happening and then as you get older you start to realize oh that's that's over, you know, that, that moment, it was much more fleeting. It's much more temporary than I initially realized. Um, and there's a type of like a, it's like a preciousness at the same time, melancholy that you feel when you're recalling these memories. I don't, I don't know if this resonates with you at all.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm the middle child. And so, but I've heard kind of the similar sentiment from my little sister. And we're we're uh, between my oldest and youngest. We're they're nine years apart, and I'm in the middle. Um, so she, my little sister, had uh, I won't speak for her, but she had some uh, a big chunk of time when she was kind of the only child in the house. But yeah, I, I don't think I can like fully resonate with what you're saying because I yeah. I wasn't the last one around. But I do understand kind of when you reflect on childhood. Um, kind of what I was saying earlier, like the, these everyday mundane, seemingly mundane moments are what stick out yeah, the most. And then they happen all the time. And then one day they don't. Yes. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it probably is as simple as that, even though it feels more stretched out. It's like, yeah, at some point they stopped happening. Yeah. I have, as I was preparing for this episode, I was, I resonated with, what tweety says about his childhood and i kind of scratched my head like what were my moments and one that came to mind for me was um <laughs> going to pick up subway uh with my mom to eat in the car and they i'd always get the m&m cookie and that that taste kind of oh, took me back for whatever reason and i know exactly
0: would, yeah yeah i know the t- yeah i know the
1: cookie i haven't i haven't had one in years but i remember just this simple experience of mom would be running errands, she'd let me choose whatever music we played. I was big into music and I, I just think about that like it it happened, you know, most yeah. days and now that doesn't happen. And it's it's you kinda you kinda forget those simple moments if you don't revisit them intentionally.
0: Yeah, and I would say as a father, I'm I'm really mindful of that. Um hmm. and just soaking up these everyday moments because someday they won't happen. Yeah. And I think that that it also gives me a lot more understanding and maybe respect for my parents as well. Um hmm. or more so understanding just of like I, I can relate to them more, I think, now that I'm a parent. Um because I understand. The preciousness of those moments. Yes. The song
1: captures what you're talking about, really. Because you have Jeff reflecting as a child, here's me and mom, mom's falling asleep, her cigarette, he compares her cigarette smoke to like a ghost being evoked, but then the second part of the song, he begins. the role switches where he's the one falling asleep. Mom is gone. Mom is represented in, in the ghost of cigarette smoke. And I got to say, I love the way that he communicates the fragility of this. I think it's, it's evident in his playing. If you, if you listen to the song strings kind of buzz, it's not very clean. Um, He sings kind of softly. It's, it's raw and fragile and this this track just it, it has such an intimate feel and and the way that he's addressing his mom so personally it feels almost inappropriate <laughs> to be listening to it I, I don't feel like I should have that right to experience this song he says at one point I loved the time that we spent alone that you never knew because she's asleep and I, oh my goodness, that's so intimate. I love the time that we spent alone that you never knew. And then he gets to revisit this moment as an adult. But now, kind of like you and I are doing right now, we're we're recognizing the significance of what that moment was like as a child. And he sings, and I love us being alone in the TV glow when I think you don't know, but you do. So... That's my first song. I got to say, I liked this song originally in in prepping for this episode. I have, I've returned to this and it's, I, it's becoming one of my favorite Jeff Tweedy songs. I mean, it just, it's, it's rich and I, I was super excited to talk
0: about it. Yeah. That's a high bar to start the episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to, I'm going to circle us back to Wilco the band. Please do. Who uh, took us off track anyway? Somebody's got to get us back on track here. I think one of us had to pick this song for an episode on childhood. Uh, It is If I Ever Was a Child off of Schmilko. Let's take a listen. I've never been alone.
2: Long enough to know. If I ever was a child. Tied up like a boat On my button like a coat Set free for a while While well, jump To joke my clumsy blood While my wife
0: This is a standout track from Schmilko, probably the best known track from this album, I would say. Uh, To kind of put this in a a sort of a framework, Tweedia said about Schmilko as a whole, quote, I think this record is joyously negative. It's sad in a lot of ways, but not in any that reach a conclusion of doom or hopelessness. I just had a lot of Fun being sour about the things that upset me. So, again, we see that Wilco optimism coming through even when discussing sometimes uh, perhaps difficult topics. Yep. So, the way I look at this song, you know, here you have Tweety or the narrator, depending on whether you want to look at this as an autobiographical song, as reflecting on whether or not they've really ever had a childlike approach to the world. They're wondering perhaps if they've ever given in to childlike wonder, if you will. And there's this wrestling of wanting to experience perhaps the innocence of childhood. Tweedy sings, I've never been alone long enough to know if I ever was a child. And then later he sings, well, I jumped to jolt my clumsy blood while my white green eyes cry like a window pane. Can my cold heart change even out of spite? So you see himself wanting to, to shake himself out of this, like, adult, mundane stasis that he's found himself in, but we're not really sure if he's ever successful in that. Um, in an interview with Michael Rothman from Consequence of Sound, Tweedy said this was around the release of Schmelko in 2016. Tweedy said, "The problem with a lot of the way people interact with the world is this mistaken notion that we get to choose our emotions. Nobody gets to choose their emotions. You only get to choose how you react to them. Whatever your childhood, all the shit you drag behind you, that's the stuff that's controlling your emotions. I feel like that could almost be a a thesis statement for this episode, that your childhood really does inform your emotions and what you carry through life. And our childhood is, is like the bedrock of how we move forward and it sets forth how we respond to most things i think. Mm-hmm. Um, i'm not a licensed therapist but that's my take on it.
1: <laughs> you i love it.
0: anyway so so based on what i know of tweety's upbringing i don't think this song is a direct reflection of his actual childhood and especially based on what you just said i think you know he had a really great relationship with his parents so i'm kind of left thinking that maybe um if this if, if this is in fact an autobiographical track it could be looked at as maybe a reminder to himself to keep that childlike wonder throughout life. And maybe the, again, that's where that optimism comes into play. Mm. So that's if I ever was a child, any thoughts on that Lance?
1: Well, I was excited to hear you present on this because I, I did consider it for this episode. I don't feel like I really understand what this song is about. Um, it feels impressionistic enough to where I'm like I love it the melody's great I think the lyrics are great I love this line I hunt for the kind of pain I can take but I've never quite understood what it's it's conveying but
0: yeah and I could be I could be totally off here but uh I think that's part of what we bring to reacting to art right That's right That's right yeah i think
1: if i remember correctly i think this was the first song they released uh it was either this or locator but i remember they about a year after star wars came out they said hey we've got another album coming out which they you know they rarely release an album that soon they said we actually recorded or rewrote these songs the same time as Star Wars was happening. And you hear this single and you're like, Oh, okay. It's pretty different than Star Wars. Um, it, I'll be honest. I love this song. Initially I was underwhelmed. Um, and I think because I've, I've said this before, I'm a little more drawn to the wild Wilco. Yeah. but, Yeah, I think this
0: is one of their greatest songs they've written in the last few years. Schmilko is an album that I'm still trying to gel with, I think. Yeah. Out of their entire catalog. Um, Working on it. Yeah. But yeah, this is definitely a standout for me.
1: I think that's Ode to Joy for me, actually. Um, Yeah. I feel like I got Schmilko a little more easily than Ode to Joy. But, But I like that. We're both... We're both recognizing that it's not the album's fault it's we haven't maybe yet recognized the uh, or maybe records. it is or maybe it
0: is ah <laughs> uh, Wilco can do no that. wrong right Lance? they can do no wrong I know
1: <laughs> you know I was, I was actually telling my wife the other day one thing I appreciated about Tim Grierson coming on was the way that he was able to to voice opinions so freely and I realized this is not going to be a very interesting show if I'm always like, it's perfect. And so um, well, that's what
0: I'm here for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I, I, uh, I'm making an intentional effort to be like, mm, not one of my favorites, but um, Schmilko, I truthfully think
0: is underrated. Yeah, I totally, I totally hear you, Lance. Why don't we hear your second choice, which I believe might be off of Schmilko, speaking of which.
1: You know what? We're going to just rewind the album, essentially. Folks, I'll be honest. Morgan and I, we, we, we've we talked about it on here. We, we do not share our picks before we air. This was one that we actually did kind of loosely share because we wanted to make sure we weren't choosing the same songs.
0: We both were looking at Schmilko, and we just wanted to make sure... That we weren't picking the same track.
1: Yeah, I think... So my first... Uh, my my second pick tonight is Normal American Kids, opening track from Schmoko. Let's hear that real quick.
2: Remind myself myself long ago Before I could drive, before I could vote All of the time holding a grudge Before I knew people could die just because Chat from the sling, head full of buzz I knew what I liked was not very much High at the time, tied to the grid Always afraid of those normal American kids Oh, all of my spirit leaked like a cut I knew what I needed Never be enough to to change my bit. afraid to be normal
1: I don't know how autobiographical this actually is. I wonder if this is a little more like speaking to a universal adolescence experience. It, Cause it kind of captures that awkwardness of not being quote unquote normal. Or I could just say it captures adolescence. Um, he he, he kind of taps into this sense of paranoia that I think is probably pretty common in adolescence. And he uses this phrase, normal American kids, kind of as a recurring theme throughout the song, but it's used in different contexts. The first time he uses it, it he says there's a, a fear of the other normal American kids. Then he notes a fear of being one of those normal American kids. Then he then he uses it again where he's playing the part where he says painting himself as a normal American kid with the drug use and uh, the secretive actions of, you know, getting high and secret. And then the last two ways he uses it, he's wishing to get away from the normal American kids, which he, he says he always hated. Um, and I'm going to refer back to his book. He doesn't, I, I was reading, let's go so we can get back in preparation for this. And that's where I started to put together. I don't, this doesn't feel at all like a Jeff Tweedy experience. What this does sound a little more like is Belleville, Illinois, where he grew up. Here's what he says about that town. Belleville was a depressed community economically and psychologically. The bottom line is that it was not a healthy or happy place. And I do believe whole towns can be collectively depressed psychologically, like it's a local dialect. If you have a fairly isolated community and people maladapt to their internal psychological stress by drinking or willfully numbing themselves in other ways, people get swept along, and they wake up and they're old and the world has passed them by. And most of the time, their kids never see anyone get better. So they grow up with no idea how it happens or what it looks like. End quote. When you read that book and you learn about Tweety's childhood, you see him being pretty ambitious. You know, like even the story you told earlier about, I'm going to record Bruce mm-hmm. Springsteen and advertise myself as that person. Right. That's gutsy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's out of the norm. Yeah. I think he was kind of the antithesis to small town life. He, he's, he's on this path to kind of graduate small town life. And I think all the drug use in this song, all the drug use reference in this song is it's not really used in an appealing way. It's not really nostalgic, you know, it's kind of (laughs) it's kind of anxiety provoking and depressing. And I don't know about you, but the way that I interpret this song is it, it almost sounds like Jeff's trying out the drugs the normal American kids use in order to try to kind of fit in. But he doesn't really want to fit in with that whole lifestyle. It kind of ends up backfiring. He's he's high. He's paranoid in his sheets in his bed and he sings oh bongs and jams and carpeted bands. I hate everything I don't understand. I don't know, it seems a bit more descriptive of maybe the the town's life than it is personally. I'm remembering he talks about visiting Belleville with his family as an adult. So he's got Susie and his boys with him. And these two ladies that he went to high school with come up and he says like they are so freaking patronizing like his son is like oh oh, one of the ladies is like are you still in that little band and uh his son is like he won a grammy hello (laughs) (laughs) and and
0: they're like oh good for you so it kind of captures that like like a little bit of insecurity maybe that he got out of that town and is a successful person
1: yeah and they're still maybe the normal american kids maybe that's kind of harsh they're sh-
0: but they're still kind of stuck in that rut all these years later
1: yeah yeah i'm i'm sharing all this and i'm 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 thinking right now like huh i wonder i wonder what it would be like for people from our hometowns to hear us talking about <laughs> normal American kids. Not like we're portraying ourselves as the non normal American kids, but
0: well, I mean, um, I currently live 10 minutes from where I grew up. What's that like for you? It's It was weird, man. So for those unfamiliar with my life story, I moved to Los Angeles. I was there for a few years with my wife and then we moved to New York city for three years. So we were between LA and New York for the first five, six years of our marriage. And then when we decided to have kids, we moved uh, back to the Chicagoland area um, and did not think that we'd be living in the suburbs. We wanted to live like in the city. And then, you know, as things worked out, here I am, suburban dad. (laughs) And it was hard for a while, man. Like I had kind of... I had this like inflated, like I lived in New York City and now I live <laughs> back in my hometown. I had a sense of inflatedness. And I think like there was part of me that was insecure that I gotten to that point and then bailed on it and came back. Um, but, you know, I kind of have a new appreciation for this area I grew up in. So I've kind of like come around on that. I think you put your finger on something
1: that is often unspoken, that either the people that stick around close to where they grew up feel potentially as an insecurity or the people that move away from home might be tempted to to view their move as superiority. And I think that that's, I'm with you. I think that's sad that that would be A mentality. I mean, there's pros and cons to both. You're, you're someone who moved back home. I'm someone who lives 14 hours away from where I grew up. And, um, that comes with its own set of challenges. And, you know, I can count on one hand, the amount of times I see family in the course of a year. And we were just talking about the preciousness of time on here. There's something kind of melancholy about that, that it's, yeah, the proximity is not, is, is, fleeting
0: hey but you know it's funny it's uh, this uh all, all this conversation is stemming from childhood it is to bring it back yeah all right lance well the show must go on here and i'm gonna go ahead and tell you what my last pick is if that's quite all right with you i'm ready good um i gotta bring it back to a ghost is born my favorite wilco album I don't know, maybe I just love this song and wanted to talk about it, but I do think that there's a lot of childhood imagery in this song, and so I'm going to choose Muzzle of Bees. Let's take a listen. my all-time favorite Wilco songs. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, Yeah, I love this song at its core. Without reading into the lyrics even, I think the musicality of this song has always been beautiful and a standout track, maybe the best track on Ghost is Born.
1: You and I got a rare performance of this at Solid Sound 2022.
0: Yes, that was incredible. Uh, I love the folksiness of it and how it quietly erupts into these moments of semi-distorted guitar leads before calming back down again. Great track. Great track. Um, So I couldn't really find a whole lot about Jeff's or Wilco's reflection on the meaning of the song. So here we go again. I'm just going to like wax poetic on it here a little bit. Um, I don't think this song is actually about childhood, but it evokes childhood to me more than... Any other Wilco song, probably. Uh, and I'm just going to call out a few different lines here. Speaking about childhood imagery. My sleeves have come unstitched from climbing your tree. That makes me think of just being a kid, like in the summertime, yeah. running around, climbing trees, yeah, playing with your friends, like not a care in the world. When dogs laugh, some say they're barking. I don't think they're mean. There's an innocence to that line. It kind of is like you're not jaded to the world yet, and you still see the optimism in things. Um, The sun gets passed from tree to tree silently, then back to me. There's a carefreeness to this song, and it's almost like the narrator has no responsibilities other than exploring the world around them. Wow. And then this line too, this, this brought back some childhood memories. I'm assuming you got my message on your machine, I'm assuming you love me and you know what it means. <laughs> so to me, this, this, uh, this called back an image of maybe calling someone you have a crush on back, huh. when, back when cell phones weren't available. You had to call the landline and maybe their parents would pick up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of like this awkward moment, but you had to like put get up the confidence to call them, or maybe even just a friend, you know, a new friend, and you had to like talk to yeah. their parents at first. That is such a visceral childhood memory. Maybe, yeah, m- maybe more of a middle school preteen stage of childhood, but calling your crush, yeah, the line, "I'm assuming you love me, and you know what it means." This experience of having a crush on someone for the first time, and you're processing these new emotions, but. No one really knows what romantic love has the full potential to be at that stage. And you're yeah. just beginning to figure it out for the first time. Um, so this song is just like chock full of, of that kind of those moments. Um, I believe I've seen this in an interview or heard, heard this in an interview. I couldn't pin it down. But Tweedy has said that, I'm paraphrasing here, that art is half of what he intended and then half of what the listener interprets. So, I think it's fitting that the end of the song, where he sings, half of it's you and half of it's me, he repeats that phrase a few times. And so, I'm completely reading into these lyrics. I know.
1: Wow. But this, I like that.
0: This song at the end of the day really evokes a carefree, childlike innocence to me. So,
1: I love that. You know what I love about what we're doing with this podcast is. When you choose, when we choose an episode theme, and then we choose a song, and it's it becomes filtered through that theme. uh, I I just think this is remarkable. Like I, if you were not looking at this song in the lens of childhood, I don't think I would have processed it the way you just laid it out for us. Uh, I'm I've, and yet that makes a lot of sense. What you just laid out.
0: Got any reflections on Muzzle of Bees,
1: I think Muzzle of Bees is one of those where we could have chosen, it probably will come up again in another theme is what I would imagine.
0: It's going to be um, in every episode from now on, I think.
1: Fine with me. I I You chose two songs that I don't know what they mean. And I'm glad that you didn't shy away from them because I love hearing your interpretation. Well, like you just said, like Tweety says, half of it's you, half of it's him, maybe. And to hear that this is a song that resonated with you in the childhood space—that's really cool.
0: I like it when I have to think about, okay, what are the, what is this artist trying to say? How do I see it through my own lens? You kind of wrestle and respond to it more that way, I think. Yeah, and spend more time with it.
1: I think so too. You know, I thought I was having today before we recorded, because you and I, we choose our theme. We have a good few days, maybe a week to think about what are we going to choose. I was thinking about all the different bands that I love. I thought about what if I was doing a podcast on, you know, blank. And I think about the, the, the range of topics that we choose for the podcast. I think for many other bands... We would be hard pressed to find songs based on the topics we've chosen. I, I just think Wilco like has a way of delving into to many different themes, and that probably part of that is the longevity of their career. Other bands that I was thinking about, like the Beatles, like if we were doing one on childhood, wait, who or, the
0: Beatles? Who are they?
1: Oh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll connect after the. Can you? Yeah, I'd tonight. love to know more about that. Band. Yeah, yeah, I got you. But uh, no, uh, just like certain bands. Like, I I don't know. I don't know. Like, there'd be plenty to talk about. But in terms of bouncing around on categories of themes, I I don't know.
0: Well, it's good that we have such a rich catalog to pull from. Mm. My wife has wondered, you know, she's enjoying the podcast. But she's wondered, how how long is it going to take you before you run out of things to talk about? and i guess we'll find out someday. <laughs> we will. Yeah.
1: I I kind of think every topic that we've already done, we could have chosen different songs, we could have yeah. had a different episode. Yeah. But that's yeah, i i think i think i wonder that too. I don't i don't think we're i don't think we're anywhere near that. Reaching scraping the bottom of the barrel there. We'll find out. Man. We'll find out we will find out this has been really cool tonight i loved hearing your thoughts it was it i'm you suggested this episode topic i'm really glad you did i think this brought a lot of nostalgia a lot of gratitude for my upbringing and also just kind of a maybe a little bit like our death episode just a a thoughtfulness about life and and
0: mundane moments sure absolutely yeah it's funny when i picked this topic i actually didn't have my songs picked out i was just thinking i bet we could find some some good material with this so i think it i think it was a good combo i think so too all right well hey
1: everybody thanks for tuning in again for another episode this has been childhood we will look forward to seeing you guys next week on the podcast.
0: And as always, if you'd like to reach out for comments or concerns, etc., you can find us on Instagram at wilco the podcast and the same handle on Twitter, wilco the podcast. Folks, we appreciate you listening and we'll catch you next week.